Have you been giving thought to launching a podcast? Not sure how or where to begin the process or what you really need to do? I'd love to help. I recently hosted a free Zoom masterclass called Five Steps to Launching a Top-Rated Podcast. If you'd like to check out the recording of that masterclass, you can head over right now to stevenahart.com slash webinar. That's stevenahart.com slash webinar. listening to trailblazers.fm, an interview style podcast that delves deep into bold conversations with successful black entrepreneurs and leaders. Join us weekly to learn actionable strategies, valuable tactics, and innovative tools that you can put to use immediately on your journey to blazing your trail. And now here's your host, Stephen A. Hart. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Trailblazers.fm podcast. Our featured guest today is Zim Flores. Zim is a believer, traveler, speaker, and entrepreneur. In 2013, she started Travel Noir, an award-winning boutique travel company which was acquired in 2017. She's been featured in the New York Times, Essence, Time, CBS This Morning, and many other media platforms and was awarded by Glamour Magazine as one of 25 young women changing the world. Currently, she's the founder and CEO of Italicist and also works with her husband to acquire, grow, and sell small online businesses. If that's not enough, she's also the host of the Bloom podcast and a new author of the book, Dear to bloom, trusting God through painful endings and new beginnings. Today's episode is another great one. I'm sure you're going to enjoy. Zim, what's good, girl? Hey, hey, Steven, what's going on? Welcome to Trailblazers.fm. So happy to be here. So we start all our conversations off from a place of gratitude. And I know that is just something at the center of your being. So I'd love for you to share an unexpected blessing that you're most grateful for in your life right now. So unexpected blessing that I'm grateful for. I am, so my husband and I had actually planned a trip to Turkey for our first wedding anniversary. And the day before we left, I had prayed about some things and I wasn't feeling like too comfortable about going. I mean, I'm a traveler. So generally I just kind of like feel the fear and do it anyway, but I didn't feel comfortable. And so I asked the Lord for some things and he confirmed some things and we canceled our trip the day before we left. And it was devastating because You know, we had spent all of this time planning this trip, but it turns out that in the area that we would have been in, there was the uh, the big earthquake. Wow. It was a big, big earthquake. And not only that, the U.S. Embassy had shut down all citizen services, so all visa services. So you were basically on your own if you were in the country. And so sometimes, you know, what I've learned is that this like rejection is oftentimes just protection. Mm. And I'm grateful for that lesson this morning. Wow. That's a blessing. That blesses my soul right now. (laughs) So you are a daughter of Nigerian immigrants. That's right. Yeah. I have a Nigerian connection in a Zim. (laughs) I am. So in looking, I got dialed into Ancestry. 
and started. I'm from a big family. My dad is one of 12 kids. My mom, one of seven. And so I always have this picture. Actually, I have it just over my side here. In fact, crazy enough. (laughs) For those not watching this video, you probably should. But this is a picture of my great-grandmother and great-grandfather. And I'm like, who's this black woman and this white dude, you know? And where we're from in Jamaica, there's a river running through our property named after this guy. So I'm like, you know, what's the whole story with Grandpa Charles and who's Mama Terry? And I ended up reaching out to my dad's eldest brother. He was sick with cancer. And everybody I'd ask, all my dad's siblings, they're like, you need to talk to him. So I call him up. And he's like, yo, she was the daughter of a wealthy Nigerian man who came to Jamaica, eventually left her and went back to Nigeria. And she owned hundreds of acres of land in Jamaica, went to town to buy goods, met this guy working. So white guy working in Jamaica, Yeah, he ends up helping her on, you know, one of these donkey carts or whatever, getting all her stuff back to where she was going. And she's like, yo, I like you. Long story, she gave him her address and they write to each other and she sends for him and brings him to Jamaica and they get married. Um, but yeah, that's my, my Nigerian connection. <laughs> that, well, welcome to the family. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Wow. So how much, I know you're Miss Travel Extraordinaire. How much time have you had in Nigeria? So I went for the first time when I was 17 and yes. then... That was my first time going. It was my first time meeting my father. And then I didn't go back until about 10 years later. So I went to Nigeria. I was, you know, a junior or a senior in high school. And, you know, up until that point, being African wasn't cool, right? Like I got all the African booty scratcher jokes. I pretty much denounced the fact that I was Nigerian because there was just so much ridicule, so much ridicule. And so when I got to Nigeria, I had all of these preconceived notions. In fact, my mom told me we were going, my brother and I, I didn't talk to her for a few days. And as a child, not talking to your parents for a few days is actually really hard because you need them. (laughs) And so once I got there though, I met all of my cousins, I met all of my family and it literally changed my life. And so didn't go back for 10 years. And now I try to go back at least every year. You said that changed your life, Zim. What triggers did that set off from your first trip there? So the way of life, right? Like in the US, we had all of these things, all of these gadgets, all of these devices that told us our worth. But here are my cousins, you know, my family in Nigeria is well off, like they're kind of like middle class there. And they still didn't do all of the gadgets, all the gizmos. I was walking around with my cousins. I was on their motorcycles. I was riding around and exploring life. And if you've ever been to the continent anywhere, for the most part, you know that there is this joy that people have. It's not attached to the things that they own. It's not attached to their circumstance. And that was something that I saw early on. If you've been to Nigeria, you've heard of NEPA. NEPA is the power provider. So if you think of like Duke Energy or like whatever, and there's a phrase called NEPA take light. And that's basically when the power goes out. So when the power goes out during the day or during the night, you can't do anything. The games that you 
played, if you, you know, if you had anything plugged up, you couldn't do anything. You had to figure something else out. So we would go on walks. We would talk about dreams. And, you know, these are people that I had never met before, but were my family. Mm. And so that allowed for like a deeper connection. Wow. Going forward from that point, how did that influence kind of the person? Because you're brilliant. You're amazing in so many different ways, right? Beyond the entrepreneurship side, right? Like, I mean, you've accomplished so much. How did that kind of influence direction? Yeah, I knew that I had some place to go back to. Yeah. And it always makes me sad that there are people who don't know where they're from. They don't have that historical component, right? Like I can always go back to Newi and be home. You could always go back to Jamaica and feel like you're at home. There's like a piece of you that is filled when you know where you come from. For example, up until a few years ago, I thought that I was just entrepreneurial by fault. Like I just thought that, you know, I just came up with all these ideas and it was just something that my brain did. It turns out that my grandmother was just like me. Yes. And it also (laughs) turns out that in my tiny village, we're called, I can't remember the term, but we've produced the most millionaires on the Western side of Africa, in West Africa. And it's because, partly due to the fact that there is a huge, I think one of the largest auto, it's like the large auto industry in West Africa. So a lot of people will come for auto car parts and it's the largest market for auto car parts. It's like all of this stuff. And everybody there for the most part is entrepreneurial. My cousins are entrepreneurs. And so before I knew that, I thought I was on this island, right? Like I thought that I was just like the singular person that had this kind of like entrepreneurial habit, I guess, but it was all connected with my family. And so that gave me a deeper, it just gave me a deeper sense of understanding and a deeper sense of purpose that I had with that connection. So that's one of the things that I learned when I got back to the US, I stopped using like microwaves and like ovens. I mean, granted, you know, when you're 17 years old, you're not cooking. So I didn't really have that much to say, but I was like, why would I use this thing when we were able to do this thing in Nigeria? And it was like so much better. So that, you know, sometimes things that happen to you, you don't realize the lessons of them until years, maybe decades later. And so I think that this is one of those things. I carried, you know, what I had learned over that time. And I think it just, it was something that I realized fully much later. Yeah. Wow. I laughed and I said, yes, when you talked about your grandmother, because I went through a similar experience this past May. It was like her hundred, it would have been her 105th birthday this past May. And so I'd posted a picture of her on social and I have like a million cousins I don't know that are friends with me on Facebook, you know, distant family. And so many people started commenting on all the different jobs this woman had as, you know, very entrepreneurial spirits. You know, she was a Sunday school teacher and she was the wedding cake baker and she was the florist and, you know, and she had like, and I'm like, wow, like, look at this, you know, 
So it runs through my veins. I can't ignore it. <laughs> can't ignore it. Can't ignore it. So how much of this fueled your love for travel and, and eventually founding Travel Noir? Yeah. So after I came back from Nigeria, so I was in high school, I actually didn't leave the country again until I moved to India. So that was, I guess, like a thing unto itself because it was a big jump, <laughs> a huge jump. So, you know, here I was in India, this fresh, like I was early 20s, didn't know the language, hadn't eaten the food. I was able to study and learn the language. I still speak it and can read and write it. I had traveled to 90% of the states there. I had this really unique experience there that I was, that I couldn't find anybody else who looked like me that was having a similar experience. So I would travel from Bangalore to Kuala Lumpur, for example, for $8 a flight. So for a (laughs) one-way flight. And so I was like constantly in KL. I was in Cambodia. I was in Vietnam. I was just everywhere. And I was like, why aren't more people doing this? I talked to my friends and they'd be like, girl, you're staying over here. You're on an $8 flight. Who's on that flight with you? Do you have a seat or are you just the passenger? Are you passing through? And I'm like, y'all are crazy. What are you talking about? Y'all should come out here and see it for yourself. And so I thought to myself, well, I wonder what a brand could look like that speaks to the experiences of the African diaspora and the challenges that we face, right? So I would go to different parts of the world. People would always be super curious. I'd always get the stares. People would put their hands in my hair. I mean, it was pretty interesting. And having learned Hindi, I was able to tell them not to touch me, which was, you know, some folks can just say no or stop or whatever, but saying it in their language had added the different kind of like oomph. And so after I left India, I traveled through Southeast Asia, spent some time in China, and then came back home. And at this point, I had spent all my money traveling. So I was on a U.S. salary living in India, which was great. But I spent everything traveling. I was like, oh, yeah, you know, whatever, just put it all. So I ended up back at home with my mom. And she is a nurse. That is the way that she had found to basically jump class levels, right? So she came to the U.S. not having a lot of money, but believed that education was the key to be able to provide a stable life for her children. So she became a nurse. And so her idea of success was doctor, lawyer, engineer, or failure. Like you could only fit those four (laughs) Exactly. And so I, you know, having majored in biology and early on, you know, I cloned a gene when I was 19. And so my mom saw this like vision that she had for me of becoming a doctor. My mom was like, are you going to apply for this program, this nursing program, this X, this Y, this Z? I was so close to applying to nursing school. And one day, I don't know, I think I had maybe like $200 in my bank account or something like this. This was 2012, the end of 2012. And I said, I love you, mom. I have a friend in San Francisco who offered me her couch to sleep on. And so I took a Greyhound and I went up to San Francisco and I slept on a couch between a couch and a bed for six months at this place called Treasure Island. It's in between San Francisco and Oakland. If you ever crossed over the bridge, you would see it on your left-hand side. And while I was there, I held down four jobs. So I was a nanny. I sold luxury sunglasses. I was helping my friend start her company and I was an intern. 
at the end of the day, I was exhausted. I was exhausted. Mm-hmm. So at the end of that six or so months, I landed a full-time job. And this was in the middle of 2013. I finally had time and money to breathe. So I was like, let me start something new. And I had knowing that you were going to start a company. That wasn't the motivation to go there. No, I didn't know. Travel Noir started as a side project. It was just like, you know, we'll see where this goes. We didn't make any money for 18 months by default. I never tried to make money. I wanted to build a community. And so for 18 months, we just figured out ways to continue to deliver value. And so I started Travel Noir from my bedroom. I just had a domain name and a logo that I had pontificated over for (laughs) so long. Oh my gosh. Oh man. And so the domain name and the theme, and it was probably maybe about between 50 and hundred bucks that I spent. And I put up a landing page and basically was like something new is coming. And it had like a mock-up of what the website would look like. And I would go into Facebook groups and I'd be like, have you guys heard of this thing? It looks really cool. (laughs) And people would be like, oh yeah, you know, whatever. One like here, half a like there. And I was like, okay. I set a marker for myself. And I said, if I get this amount of emails for people who sign up that are interested. So I had like an email thing on there. Then I'll, you know, I'll launch Travel Noir. And I actually don't think that we hit that. We got maybe like a couple hundred, maybe my marker was like 500 or something. I can't remember. We didn't quite hit the mark, but I decided to do it anyways. I was just like, you know, why not? And so I launched it in, I think it was the end of August, the beginning of September of 2013. What was the initial offering? What was that launch? What did that look like? I sent out a press release, man, the way nobody responded. I was like, wow, (laughs) I'll just don't care. That's cool. So the launch was, I think we launched with maybe like 10 to 20 different articles from contributors. We launched the Instagram. I didn't know the strategy. The first post was a travel tip. It was like, put your money in your wallet or hide it or something. I don't know what it was, but it wasn't what, you know, TN or we built TN to be. So then we started experimenting with user-generated content. And it was so hard to find people who took quality images at that time. It was 2013. People weren't really taking these like beautiful images of themselves traveling. So it would take me an hour to find one image. So I started doing that and people started liking more like, oh my gosh, I'm featured. And it kind of blew up into this thing that I didn't expect it to be. And this was obviously before the algorithm messed everybody's life up. So this was pretty, we posted 12 times a day and I posted 12 times a day because I wanted people to see consistency. So if they were having a bad day, they could log into Instagram and see all of these images of these beautiful black people traveling to these different places around the world. And it challenged something in a lot of people. Mm. If you see somebody who's in Costa Rica and you always thought Costa Rica was a dangerous place, or you see somebody doing X, Y, and Z, but you thought only the rich people, like super, super rich people could travel there. It changes something. Um, Yeah. 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 Wow. That's fantastic. I absolutely, I can't even think back to how long it's been that I've been. Oh my gosh. And it's, I was sharing with you. I'm just like, so blessed to have you here because it's amazing (laughs) to watch 
this platform that you know you'd built. And I wanted to pick your brain because you know so many people you talked about just starting where you are, right? Yeah. And yeah. I think that's wisdom to so many aspiring black entrepreneurs that think they need to have it, you know, at a perfect place before they push play and begin. What's your wisdom in that, in the beginnings? OMG. Yeah. I mean, honestly, every time I start something new, it's the same thing. It's starting before you're ready. It doesn't necessarily have to be polished. I've kind of lived by the like feel the fear and do it anyways, put yourself out there. I, Travel Noir was born out of a pain point that I personally experienced. And I always, when I talk to entrepreneurs or I coach entrepreneurs, I tell them to choose a problem that they know intimately because that means that you, when times get hard or when things aren't going so well, you're still attached to this thing that you've created because it's a part of you. The flip side and the danger of that is, let's say that business shuts down, you end up tying your identity to that thing that you created when it's not supposed to be in that particular thing, which is something I had to learn when I sold Travel Noir. So the beginnings are, they're beautiful. A lot of times I look back and I'm like, man, things were so simple back then. Like we just, there was no algorithm to think about. We could just do this content. Nobody else was really doing this in the space. So we didn't have to think that much about competition. But as things grow and you get more complex, you start to see how people's lives change. And then we launched Travel Noir Experiences, which was born out of my time in India. So the entire MO was how can you introduce tension into a travel experience between these 12 to 14 strangers? And a lot of times, tension is what allows you to grow. So if you think about like any travel experience that you had that something has gone wrong, you've lost your luggage, you lost your wallet, like something happens, you've had a conversation with somebody that was really challenging. Those are the things that you think back on in your travel experience where you're like, wow, like that really changed my perspective. And so we were trying to figure out how we could engineer this tension within all of these different travel experiences that we were running. So we were running about 60 trips a year across five continents. And we had to think about a formula for each, uh, for each destination that meant that the person who came on a Monday, by the time they left on Sunday, they were completely transformed. They were a completely different person. And so I had never planned, you know, group trips before group experiences. Like it wasn't, that wasn't what my expertise at all, but I said, you know, I know the challenge that I faced when I was living in India, but it transformed me. And I want to be able to do that for other people. So there are all of these beginnings that you're going to have in your business, where if they are tied to something that you've kind of intimately experienced, then you are able to reach the transformation for the customer quicker because you know, you are that person, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that, you know, you're starting with that end in mind and thinking through like, where do you want this person to, I mean, as you're saying that, I'm like, I'm sure there are a lot of travel agents who plan group trips and never give thought to. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, right. So that is not something that necessarily comes with experience of planning group travel. Yeah, absolutely. And then I think there's something to be said too, about being an outsider, right? Yeah. I was an outsider to the industry, but I was a traveler. 
And so if you are an outsider to the industry and you're starting a business because you are intimately tied to it, there is so much benefit there as well because you bring a new perspective. You don't have the limitations of the industry. Had I known, like if I had been in the travel industry and I started Travel Noir, it would have been a very, very different company. And so don't negate the fact that you aren't, you know, somebody who has 10 years or 15 years of experience in this particular industry. It doesn't matter. Bring that authentic self. That's right. (laughs) That's right. So before I leave Travel Noir, a lot of people as entrepreneurs, we build up, you know, this is our baby, right? We gave birth to this. And then just the idea of selling is like a heck no, right? What happens in that process, Zim? Like, is that something that you get to a point and you say, hey, you know, it's time for me to exit? Or what did that process look like? Were you approached to say, hey, we want to buy? Yeah. So this was the summer of 2017. And I had gone to a conference and I was in a stadium with 30,000 people who were all worshipers. It was like a church conference. And there was a minister that came up to preach and he was, (laughs) he was on track to go to the NBA and he had a calling on his life to be a minister. And he was just avoiding it. He was just like, you know, whatever, I'll get to the NBA. I'll be as good as, you know, MJ or whatever. And then I'll do this thing. And he talked about how he was consecrated to basketball and that was his life. And he started making the He started talking about success in the world and success in the Bible. And he said, success in the world looks like more cars, more money, more homes, more like physical things. But success in the Bible looks like sacrifice. And I thought about it and I thought to myself, you know, I don't want to be known as the travel girl. That's not my ultimate mission at all. And a lot of people, when I sold Travel Noir, they were surprised to say the least, right? It was just kind of like, but you're just getting started. You're like just doing this thing. And I felt like, so there's a scripture in the Bible. It's John chapter 15. And it talks about God pruning things that more things can grow abundant. Yeah. And so I thought of travel noir in that way. Like it's not this inherently bad thing. God's just pruning it to make way for another thing to grow more abundantly. And so during the process of like matriculating into this new organization after I sold Travel Noir was challenging, right? Because you, I tied my identity to this business. It was who I was. It was an extension of who I was. So then when things started changing, it was hard for me to grasp because I was like, wait, you're shutting down experiences. Like this was the cornerstone of our business or you're shutting down this or you're changing this or you're, you know, you're writing these kinds of stories instead of those kinds of stories. It was so hard. I felt like a yo-yo, right? Like I would have like these high moments and then these extreme low moments and these high moments and these low moments. And what I learned for the next business is not to tie my identity to the success within the business. And that was a really challenging lesson for me to learn, like extremely challenging, still learning, but it was a really hard challenge. But I think that giving that up made way for all of these other things. I did an interview not too long ago where the host said, you know, you 
gave up this one business and God gave you an empire. So now today I have six businesses that I run with my husband. And to think (laughs) this like one business that I had, if I didn't give that up, I wouldn't have all of these other things that I have now. And it's really a lesson in letting go to make room for something better. So that, that was kind of how it went. It was a big, big, big challenge, but I don't know who I would be without it. As a parent, I somewhat connect through that lens to some of what you shared because my 10-year-old daughter, right? First child, you know, I mean, you pour everything into this being, you know, every day I tell her, you know, you're my life's greatest investment, right? Yeah. And that is truly a part of who I am. I start every speech, every presentation off from a place of gratitude. And I'm proud to, you know, talk about my wife and my kids. But there comes a point where you as a parent have poured in and you have to allow that child to blossom in ways that sometimes you're looking in a mirror at yourself and at other points, you know, to allow them to grow and to build their own identity. You have to kind of step back and allow Mm -hmm. some things to play out as it would. So, you know, coming back to Travel Noir, I feel like there is absolutely your identity in the foundation of that business. But part of allowing that business to grow is to let it, you know, go through its college years and and evolve, right? And know that, you know, your DNA is still at the core of it. But, you know, to be the person or the business it's intended to be, sometimes you have to let go of parts of it, right? Oh, yeah, 100%. It's a lesson for all entrepreneurs. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So I am so excited and can't wait to get my hands on a new book that you've authored <laughs> and it is being birthed to the world on December 8th of 2020. In this crazy year of 2020, we need this, right? Mm-hmm. Talk to me about the idea and kind of what went into authoring Dare to Bloom, Trusting God Through Painful Endings and New Beginnings. Yeah. So what I had experienced during, like right before I sold Travel Noir and up until I left was this, these like huge hills and these huge valleys. And I have lost so many things over my life, as I'm sure a lot of other folks have, but a lot of things I've gained as well. And so when I think about my mom, who was in an arranged marriage, who moved from Nigeria to Minnesota, she had to start over when she found my father's hidden gun and decided to take me and my brother to another part of the country while my father was on a business trip, effectively leaving him, that was a new beginning. So we have all of these new beginnings that are often painful, right? Like me selling Travel Noir, that was painful. Me moving to a new place, it's painful. You don't know anybody. You don't know if you're walking in your purpose. You don't know if you're you know, on the right path. And there is a painful ending that you have to experience in order for something to be born new. And so it was the lessons that I learned during that time was something that I kind of wanted to put or package into a book that I wish that I had when I was walking through these low moments of 
a new season. So I lost friends, which was devastating and really hard. I wanted to get out of the circumstance that I was in and it would have been easy, right? So any circumstance that I was facing was one that I was just kind of like, all right, like I get it. I got the lesson. Let's move on along. (laughs) But at the end of the day, I wanted God to be able to move in his own timing and I had to sit within that. And so this book is for anybody who has started over, which I think a lot of people have this year, (laughs) myself included. And who wants to be able to walk into whatever God has for them moving forward. So, yeah. Wow. I saw the title of the book and I've shared this story many times on Trailblazers, but I've gone through those painful endings a million times over, you know, and I've had tremendous business failures and, you know, found my way through this year was somewhat of that for me. You know, my dad had a stroke almost a year ago. And this year has just been a difficult new beginning and a new normal for a family, you know, but God, right. And really not just saying it, but really finding that relationship, that renewed relationship with him and in him and through him to be able to find a way forward when you, you don't see it yourself. Yeah. And then there's also another piece to it too, which is foundational to the book around identity, Mm. right? Which is as we're thinking about who we are, a lot of times we are pressured by the world around us to be this particular person. And it happens when we go to a new city. It happens when we start a new job. It happens when we find ourselves in different circumstances. We feel pressured by the world to conform to their own standards for our identity. But when we belong to God, our true identity is never at risk. So when our life is like going left and right and doing all these different things, we stand firm in who we are. And I know that there is, at least this is a challenge that I had. I had pinned my identity to my past success. So because I was successful in this area of my life and this thing failed, can I be successful in other parts of my life? And the reality is, is when we tie our identity to things that change anyways, you're just, you're never going to be rooted in who you are because you are identifying yourself in your friends who may leave, or you're identifying yourself in the job that you may not have next year. So what happens when those things go away? Or the business fails. Or the business fails. The question for this book is who are you when the thing that you've identified yourself with is no longer there? So that's the question that this book answers. And so it's for somebody who is really trying to find their way, especially when crazy things happen, like what has happened with your family this year and, and what has happened, I think, with a lot of folks in different ways this year. I think that this book or it's my hope that this book will ground people in their true identity. I love it. I love it. I can't wait to just tell us again how we can probably get our hands on the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's daretobloombook.com. And I am actually, I'm hosting a course. I'm launching a course that is available for anybody for free who pre-orders the book before December 8th. And you have access to that program. There's a lot of really fun 
goodies that I've put together for this book launch. And that's the best place to pre-order the book, to order the book, to learn about what's going on. I have a tour, digital tour, (laughs) that's happening in December. And it's a conversation with a lot of really amazing people about loss and identity and entrepreneurship and motherhood and all of these different topics that we deal with on a day-to-day basis. I love it. And I can't wait. And I'll make sure for everyone listening, I'll make sure I put all the links and stuff we're talking about in the book on our show notes page over at tvpod.com. Zim, before I let you go, I'd love to ask a couple questions. In this season, what are you reading? What are some books that you would recommend others add to the queue? Yeah, so I'm actually not reading much, but let me see. I've been buying more than I've been reading, which... (laughs) Ain't that the truth? (laughs) Let me ask you, do you listen to audiobooks? I did. I feel like, so this year I've been on, I've wanted to get back into fiction. Yeah. And the reason that I wanted to get back into fiction is because I haven't read it since I was in college. And it used to be such a creative outlet for me. And I kind of let that go. So I started reading a few fiction books by Black authors, by African authors. And then I picked up Supermaker by Jamie Schmidt. She is the founder of Schmidt's Naturals. It was a deodorant company that was like acquired for, I don't know, maybe like eight figures or something like that. And so I will say that there was a book that I read that I loved and it was called When Breath Becomes Air. Have you heard of that book? I have. I have. So it's such an amazing book. Hold on, this light is killing me. It's getting sun kissed in the morning. I know, I know. (laughs) It's all good. (laughs) So, you know, that book, I read it, it was actually an audio book. And I also have Audible with a million credits on it because I definitely <laughs> I'm terrible. I'm like, I'm terrible. I found that in this season of my life, I've done less books, but more like article reading. So I'll read, I'll go on Twitter and there's some like really interesting thinkers that I like and I'll read some of their stuff. I'll take some courses, but it hasn't been like a heavy book reading year for me. But I will say, so in addition to When Breath Becomes Air, Small Giants is one of my favorite business books. Have you heard of it? I've heard of it. I haven't read it. It is amazing. So it's basically saying that it's profiling companies who are amazing at what they do, but they wanted to stay small. Mm -hmm. So you have a book called, I think it's called From Good to Great, and it profiles these like really large companies, but Small Giants does the opposite. So it's like you can be extremely successful and still be small. That's what I wanted for Travel Noir. There were so many people who were like, you guys should raise around the financing and you guys should do X, Y, and Z, and you could be in a billion homes by blah, blah, blah. And that's not what I wanted. I wanted to be successful and small. And people glorify this kind of like be as big as possible. But if you want a lifestyle where you like want to be able to step away from your business or you want more passive income or you want all of these different things, you have to think about the way that your business is set up. And so I really liked that book for that reason. I love it. I love it. Last question for you. What's one action that someone having listened to our conversation over the last 45 minutes, what's one action that they can take that's going to help them to blaze their trail? Mm, Read a chapter of the Bible. Ah. Read a chapter of the Bible. 
I think that a lot of times when I am thinking about a challenge or I'm thinking about seeing something with fresh eyes, I will go to the Bible or God will bring a verse or something to my remembrance. And I love history. I'm a history buff. And I oftentimes wonder what life was like back then and how we've gone from back then to now. And so that's what I would encourage folks to do. If they have, you know, 10 minutes or whatever to do that today, that would be my one thing. You know, you touched on something earlier in this, and it's almost like a reminder to me to go back and read John 15. Mm-hmm. It was a big chapter in a Bible study program I'd done at one point several years ago. Uh-huh. And the book of John, for those of you who maybe are inspired by Zim to pick up the Bible for the very first time, the book of John is a great place to start reading the Bible. Yeah. So I love that you shared that. And that's a great action item for our listeners yeah. to reground yourself or ground yourself in the word. I love it. Zim, how can we stay connected to you? So I send an email out every week. It's something that I started doing with Travel Noir that has connected me to so many people. So you can sign up at join.zimism.com, Z-I-M-I-S-M.com. And then my handle on all social is Zimism, Z-I-M-I-S-M. And that's how we can stay connected. Email is honestly the best way or signing up for the email list is the best way. Yeah. I love it. I I'm so happy we had this conversation and I can't wait to hear about how the book does and how the other businesses evolve. So you're always invited to come back on on our future. Oh, yeah. And we continue this conversation. Of course. Just getting started. And you're now part of the Trailblazer family. Oh, thank you. (laughs) I feel so welcome. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Well, thank you so much. I'm Steve Nehart, and you've been listening to the Trailblazers.fm podcast. If you're not yet doing so, consider following Trailblazers.fm on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and feel free to connect with me over on LinkedIn. Whenever you're posting stories or social media posts about Trailblazers.fm, be sure to use the hashtag TBPod and hashtag MissionFuel. We'll be able to see you, and I'll be able to show some love. And in case you're not aware, our show notes for all our episodes can be found on our website over at tbpod.com. Now, if today was your first time listening, I just want to say big ups, enough respect for checking us out. You've made this Jamaican guy really happy that you're here with us today. And I'd love your help with keeping this black excellence flowing each and every week. So if you haven't yet subscribed, hop on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Search trailblazers.fm and subscribe, rate, and review us there. Be sure to browse through some of our past episodes. There are more than 150 published episodes now, and a little something is out there for everyone to help keep the knowledge flowing. We grow when you, as part of our Blazer Nation community, shares and invites your friends and family to listen to an episode you think might impact them most. We believe that someone listening to these inspiring stories are going to be moved to make significant changes that have generational impact for many others, both now and well into the future. Don't miss next week's episode. New episodes are released each and every Monday morning at 5 a.m. Eastern. Blaze Nation, go out today and find a way to rise above, go way beyond, and keep blazing your trail. Your trail.